Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Recalibrating the Scales. I'm your host and Chief Executive Resolutionist, Normie Avasca Scales, at your disposal. May-September Romance, Embracing the Seasons. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a fiery season as of yet indeed. I hope you've indulged as as I have. We're going to spice things up a bit this episode, break the monotony monotony per se, and embark upon the aforementioned topic, May-September, albeit I'm going to call it May-September-December Romance, my dear listeners. I've been charged with the undertaking by virtue of my zesty, zesty, very, very, very feisty, racy group of friends uh, to feature this episode. So, hence, you've inquired, and I've honored your requests, my dear friends. These are my closest friends, by the way. Yet prior to immersing ourselves in story time by virtue of the articles, and the information I've stumbled upon, let's define what a May-September and or, and or May-December romance really entails. Well, both, ladies and gentlemen, are both, uh, albeit May-September or May-December romances, are synonymous for, for romantic relationships between couples with a substantial age difference. However, Victoria S. Dennis delves deeper to define May-December Romance via phrases.org.uk. Her definition and perspective are as follows. From the age-old tradition of personifying the seasons of the year, especially in visual and performing arts, May, the springtime, a fresh young thing, December, winter, old and weary, basseceras. Because in May, nature is fresh, green, and fertile, In December, it is withered and old and appears dead. The idea dates back to the Middle Ages, when it was commonplace to picture the spring months personalized as beautiful young people and the winter months as wizened old ones. Chaucer wrote in his Merchant's Tale about a doddering old man called Sir January, who marries a lovely young girl called May. In the 14th century, when Chaucer was writing, The year officially began on the Feast of the Ascension, March 25th, but in the 18th century, when Britain adopted the the Gregorian calendar, New Year, the New Year was shifted to January 1st. So now that January was the beginning of the year, whereas December was the end, the proverbial idea very naturally changed changed from May-January to May-December. Okay, so... There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. So hopefully that lends some clarity as to, um, you know, what all the hoopla entails pertaining to such romances. So without further ado, 
I'd like to go ahead and delve into the nucleus of this exciting episode. I'm so ecstatic to, to feature this controversial episode. I'd like to shake things up a bit. Um, let me go ahead and begin with an article that I stumbled upon, written by Alexandra Roxo. And this is in horoscope.com, actually. It's titled, Here's Why May-September Romances Are Better Than Therapy. My intention was actually to open with this and blow you all away. Bang. Okay, so here, here are the words of Alexandra. In the past year or so, there have been many suitors in my life. And it's been interesting. There was a guy, a burning man, I was convinced was my future baby daddy, until I stepped away to get us some kombucha and saw him fondling another woman's dreadlocks. There was a dreamy poet artist with a low ponytail and ocean eyes who recited the Rilke, called me a goddess, and then casually revealed he had stalked a few women, been to jail, and was living on a friend's couch. Then there was the insanely hot six foot six foot four Adonis who took me home for a medicine therapy, and that's in quotes, which turned out to be code for sex. In fact, the more I think of it, the more I realize just how many of my suitors have been snags. That's an acronym for spiritual new age guys who are under the age of twenty-four. Hmm. I'm thirty-three. Are these May-September relationships or maybe May-August? Then again, if May is in full bloom and August isn't blooming much because it's sweaty and gross, maybe I'm a July. Regardless, the difference is an entire decade of life. So what does this mean? And why am I attracting these Mays? But before you send me on a train to Cougar Town, hear me out. To me, there's a magical innocence about men in their 20s, at least the ones I've met. After all, the men I've been out with who are in their 30s have perhaps lost hope in love or become swept up by their careers, but men in their 20s, there's a sparkle of hope and mischief in their eyes. I was at a party talking to a very famous writer of a very famous book about this very thing. Sorry, I can't out him, but he is wicked smart. As I coyly smiled at him while eating some topanga, foraged carrots, he said, most men in their 20s seem to have a Jesus complex. They think whatever they're doing is going to save the world. By their 40s, they start to mellow out. And by their 50s, they're the perfect ripeness, confident, relaxed, not trying too hard. I took a bite of carrot and and smiled. He was a 50-something and clearly year-old and clearly trying to sell himself. I am not ready to become someone else's may. But his observations had some merit. See? Total July queen. The innocence of youth has its perks. I've found these 20-something men bring gifts. They look at you as though you're solid gold. How could, how could one say no to this? I was fed ice cream and raw chocolate and given foot massages by three of the men I met who were in their early 20s. I didn't even sleep with two of them. And the one I did sleep with, who moved to another city, still calls me every two weeks to check in. And it's been a year. Who does that? Apparently men in their 20s. But the thing about dating someone who who has yet to go through a Saturn return 
is that there's a subtle power imbalance that won't go away. They may not have a job or a clue what what they want to do. I mean, a decade more of life means something. I see everything around me as a reflection, a mirror, and a teacher in life. So I've been thinking a lot about why I was attracting so many maids. I realized there was an underlying question here. What part of my own 20s persona was I not willing to give up? And that was the moment I saw myself in each of those lovers, the poet, the drifter, the dreamer. I realized why I was attracting them. I didn't want to say goodbye to the carefree 20s version of myself, so I told that version of me, the 20-something princess, that I loved her. But it was time to warm it up. Level up, ladies and gentlemen. No more men who were on to the next pretty thing as soon as my back was turned. No more men who were drawn to me solely because my life experience meant I had the funds to pay for our kombucha tab. In short, no more men who weren't up for treating me like the queen I've become. After all, even though I've earned that crown for myself, I still want a king in my life. This isn't to say I'm done with young snags, but I'm seeing them with my eyes wide open. After all, losing some of that starry-eyed wonder of my 20s means it's a lot easier to see people for who they really are, no matter how old they may be. And that was Alexandra. All right, so let's shift gears and let's shift to Oprah. This is Oprah.com now. And here's an article written by Lois Smith Bradley. And um, this is titled, Love, What's Age Got to Do With It? Let me digress for a moment and interject by asking you all or imploring you all to ask yourselves, my dear listeners, is age merely a number? Now, I'm not an experienced, um, I, I said I've always personally gravitated towards uh, the older persuasion Um um, in a man, you know, men who were my elders, older than myself, for obvious reasons, the security, uh, feet on the ground, have always been beyond my years, per se. But um, I am entertaining the thought, ladies and gentlemen, uh, given recent experiences and encouragement uh, from my dear friends to possibly explore the concept of integrating, of embarking upon a May-September romance, romantic predicament. So we'll see. But getting back to the article, Love, What's Age Got to Do With It? Here, here are her words. We read the women's sport pages as avidly as anyone. And is it just us or are there more and more couples with more than a few years between them? Women marrying men a quarter of a century older or a dozen year younger, years younger. And we wonder... How's that working for them? Okay. Hmm. Think Ashton and Demi, Ashton Kutcher and Demi Moore, ladies and gentlemen. Sometimes it works. Sometimes the contrary. But back to the words, to her words. For the past 12 years, I've written about weddings for the New York Times and learned one lesson. Love can blindside you over and over again. I've interviewed people who kept lists of qualities they were looking for in a spouse, a Wall Street banker, a vegetarian, a skier, a poet, someone who recycles, someone who drives a Porsche, someone under 30, and then fell in love with a a completely different type of person, someone much younger or older, 
say than they pictured. That happened to me once when I was 25. I spent 10 days in Rome doing things I'd never done, staying in hotels that cost more than $50 a night, eating pasta that wasn't Stover's. I also met a man who quoted poetry and knew all about wine and astrology and Roman history and which fork to use when presented with several in a fancy restaurant. I thought he was drop-dead gorgeous. He was 80. He wasn't a father figure. He was a grandfather figure. At the end of our week-long romance, we exchanged addresses and phone numbers. I waited longer than I've ever waited for any man to call me. I was in my 30s before I gave up hope, and only because I figured he was probably dead. But what I learned was you might think it's not possible to fall in love with someone 55 years older than you, but as with most things you, you think you can't possibly do, fly an airplane, learn Chinese, move to Paris alone, you actually can. Still, there's a big difference between being swept off your feet and staying for the long haul. A generation gap makes both people ask hard questions about love, aging, permanence, sacrifice, and family. And when it's the woman who's much older, as I'm saying more and more often these days, she becomes conscious of the fragility of her beauty, her fertility, her 2020 vision. Diane Dallin, 46, met her husband Mike, 32, in the middle of the Utah desert on a canoeing trip. She was divorced with two children. Her first impression of him was, he's very cute and very young. She wrote him off, but he was interested in her right away. I've never been specifically attracted to older women, younger women, whatever, he says. For me, it's a question of what the person is like inside, which is why the age difference wasn't a red flag. For a year and a half, they were canoeing, I'm sorry, canyoneering, pardon me, and rock climbing partners, strictly platonic. On Friday nights after work, they drive from their homes in Colorado to remote canyons, sometimes eight or ten hours away. She set him up with one of her younger friends and had a long list of others to introduce him to. Then suddenly, I felt myself falling in love, and I really agonized, she, she said. What if I tell this guy I want to be more than friends, and he says, oh, my God, you're like a mother to me. Finally, one night after 12 hours in the canyons and almost a full bottle of wine, she was so exhausted and tipsy that she got up the courage to say, do you want to take this relationship further? He smiled, and they spent that night in their sleeping bags hugging and kissing. Diane says that now that she's married to Mike, she worries more about her looks than ever before. I think that when men date younger women, it makes them feel a lot younger. But for women, being with somebody younger makes us feel older. We're more critical of ourselves. I don't feel older all the time. Just when I look in the mirror, when we're hiking, his knees are worse than mine. Since falling in love with Mike, she has needed to re redefine beauty. When you're with a younger person, you have to think, what's going to happen in five years? Ten. Is he going to leave me? Your answer could be, I'm going to get a facelift. My answer is, I'm going to, to be such a beautiful person inside that he's going to shine. It's going to shine through to the outside, she says. Not long ago, Diane, Diane asked Mike if she could get Botox. He said, no way. One thing that makes our relationship strong is the fact that we were friends for so long beforehand, he says. Huh. So when it comes to physical beauty, yeah, you get older, you get wrinkles, you get great hair, but it's not that big a deal. For many couples with an age difference, the more soul-searching conversations are about 
children, whether to have them, when to have them, if there's time. Diane and Mike talked a lot about family around their desert campfires. I knew he didn't want kids, and he knew I didn't want any more, she said. If he had told me he wanted them, I would have never dated him. For Carolyn McKernan, 50, and Duncan Burke, 33, who live together in Boulder, Colorado, the question of children is still unanswered. I'm not interested in having more kids, says Carol Ann, who has a 20-year-old son and a teenage daughter. If Duncan decides children are an absolute necessity, he has to make a decision. We're both aware of that. Age gap relationships need to be flexible, and sometimes they're in the spirit of love the one you're with while you're with them, Carol Ann who wasn't expecting to be in love at all, has learned to take things as they come. I adopt the same approach, ladies and gentlemen. When she met Duncan two years ago, she had recently opened a linen store and was more focused on searching for extra special percal cotton sheets than on finding romance. I was a single mother trying to get my business off the ground, she says. I write, I try to draw a picture every day, I play the cello. Her attitude toward love and marriage was been there, done that. Then she hired Duncan to, to design a website for her for her shop. He's similar to her, an artistic person who likes to play guitar for hours, who prefers quiet evenings and going to bed early over rowdy parties. He's extremely graceful and very funny and handsome and old world polite, she says. She could tell he was the kind of guy, and there aren't many at, at any age, who would appreciate high thread count sheets when woven at a monastery in India. Still, she didn't let herself imagine they, they could be a couple. Boulder is a town full of beautiful, eligible young women. The cultural norm prevented me from having any kind of relationship fantasy. She says, if the older woman has money, she's seen as pathetic because she's buying the attention of a younger man. If she has no money, it seems like she's just hanging on to her lost youth. Those are pretty severe judgments. But Duncan asked her out to a movie, then wondered aloud, was that a date? Not long after, they had spent the night together in her cottage, and he'd never left. In the beginning, Carol Ann hoped they would blend in with other couples. Walking down the street, I was extremely concerned that we'd be treated as an oddity, she says. Now I don't think about that. The more we're together, the more we look like we belong together. Liz Banks is 51, but she is a generation younger than her husband, and that's how she likes it. I did not date men my age, says Liz, who lives in Chicago with baseball legend Ernie Banks, 76. I'm a very driven woman. I enjoy be enjoyed being with men who were career-oriented and comfortable in their own skin, and I loved being challenged by men with more experience. Liz doesn't need to worry about looking older than Ernie, yet a May-December romance like hers inevitably raises the question of the end. Liz has trained herself not to think about how much time she and her husband have together. God picks us at all different ages, she says. When will he take when will he take Ernie? I don't know. I don't believe in looking to tomorrow. I really believe in living in the moment. Many couples say an age gap relationship could be a great window into other generations. At dinner you might discuss World War II with a much older mate or blogs with a young younger one. I turned fifty in December, says Elizabeth Yoakum, a graphic designer in Sheffield, Massachusetts, who met her boyfriend, Josh Buell, eight years ago. He turned 37 the day after my birthday. We have about the same age difference as Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon. Their circle of friends includes his and hers. 
young and middle-aged, a wonderful, eclectic, challenging gang. Josh's friends are all 30-something. And now some of them are married to even younger people. She says she has never felt self-conscious around them. It's not as if people come up to me and say, I don't like hanging out with you because you're too old. You don't have to be in a certain age group to know what's hip anymore. We all have the Internet. But it does help to be of a particular mindset. If you're very conscious of how your relationship is from the norm, then every day you're going to see those differences, Elizabeth says. I wasn't raised to be by the book. If Chris Crowley, 72, goes by any book, it's the one he wrote, Younger Next Year. He is on a mission to stay as youthful as he can for his wife, Hillary Cooper, 48. Chris rows several times a week, rides his bicycle through the Rocky Mountains and the Dolomites, and spends a month skiing in Aspen, Aspen every winter. Older men married to younger women have a duty to stay in great shape and work out like lunatics so their wives won't ever have to wipe the goo off their faces, he says. 75% of aging is rot. You get a little fatter, a little more apathetic, a little more pain-wracked, but you don't have to go there. Both say Hillary, a, a portrait painter, is a wise old parent in the marriage, more fiscally responsible and always the designated driver. Chris? It's a kid who doesn't worry about debt and dances like a maniac at parties. From the moment I met him, I knew he was such a young spirit, Hillary says. He introduced me to the athletics lifestyle. I never skied before. I never mountain biked. I'd never gone windsurfing. I wore only black. Chris is 24 years older, but he's really so much younger. I'm never bored with him, never, ever. But Hillary says half seriously, half sarcastically, I get sad because he's going to leave me for another woman, death. We have different horizons, Chris says. I know I'm going to be dead way too soon, and it makes me sick. We're inseparable, and inevitably, inevitably, she'll get left. But hey, that's the idea. That's the deal. Age gap relationships warp both partners' inner timelines and long-held presumptions about where their lives are going. Sometimes things are done out of order. Just because there's chronological confusion, to be to begin with, Jill Adler's boyfriend, boyfriend Ryan Freitas, is 27. She's 39. They met at a bar in Park City, Utah, four years ago, and for the first year they dated. She lied to him about her age. Then one day I had my driver's license out and wouldn't let him see it. He asked, "What are you hiding from me?" Finally, I said, "Just look at it. If you're gonna walk away, walk now." He stayed. In 2005, Jill really wanted to get pregnant, but Ryan wanted to, to turn 30 before becoming a father. She told him she couldn't wait that long, biologically, so he made the leap. They weren't married. He was scared to death, yet he still said to her, I'm your man. Think back to when you were 26, she says. At that age, I didn't want to have a kid, so I kind of understood, but he didn't want me to, to miss out on the opportunity. It was basically a gift from him. He was doing me this great favor, and I never said, now you have to move on. Now you have to marry me. It was just, you're, you're going out of your way to do something incredible for me. So whatever you need to do is totally your prerogative. For all its challenges, an age gap can also provide a chance to slow down and take a deep breath. Sarah Bell, 49, lives in Iowa City with her husband, Haywood, 67. She loves his easygoing pace and low-key, old-fashioned sense of romance. 
He buys her gifts, but they're more thoughtful than flashy, like a single flower or a new umbrella. When we were dating, every time I came to visit, he'd have licorice. I love licorice, she says. He never tried to wow her with expensive jewelry or clothes, even though as a successful real estate developer, he couldn't afford to. I'm sorry to me, he could afford to. He didn't have to prove anything, she says. When people are younger, they often try to sell themselves, and they prospect, and the prospect of nursing him if he becomes seriously ill is fine with her. Of course, I'll be there to take care of him, Sarah says enthusiastically, as if she were talking about a cocktail party she will definitely be attending. I've often heard that love should be easy, that even the hardship shouldn't feel so hard. I believe there's some truth to the Cinderella fairy tale. Your partner should be like a shoe that fits perfectly, not one you have to force because you want to live in a castle and wear a tiara. More than anything, Diane Dallin says, being married to a man 14 years younger has taught her to keep her eye on the essentials. Does it feel right? Is he kind? Do I love him? If the answers are yes, she says, then nothing else really matters. Well, that was a pretty locked and loaded lush um, reading, if I say so myself. Hopefully, my dear listeners, for those of you all who may be apprehensive, as I've been, um, are more receptive now, you know, hearing some success stories versus the contrary. We'll definitely, definitely have some follow-up episodes, some sequels to this particular broadcast, ladies and gentlemen, and, and hopefully maybe I'll invite some of my racy friends. You know who you are. Ron Carden, Natasha McKeever, Cheyenne, and, of course, Jennifer Vanderputten. <laughs> Can't forget you, Jennifer. And last but not least, Najia, our newest addition to the group. So hopefully, once again, this sheds light on this most controversial subject and lends comfort, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to thank my behind-the-scenes team, Bradley, as always, for your unwavering support amid the years, coupled with you magnifying listeners standing, speckling, blossoming across the globe. This movement and this episode does rest upon your very broad shoulders, ladies and gentlemen. So I implore your continued listenership. Until the next episode, this is Normia Vasquez-Scales. Signing off.